Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everybody. Welcome this Thursday afternoon on Ausbiz. As usual, it's midday, so we kick off the afternoon with the uh, latest edition of the call. Ten stocks that you suggest and I put them to an expert panel for their adjudication and great to have as part of the panel today, Julia Lee from Berman Invest and also Michael Gable from uh, Fairmont Equities. Michael, how are you? Good, David. How are you? How's the week been? Busy? Yeah, a little bit busy. A bit frustrating that the market is uh, just making no progress. I mean, I think, yeah, we've had almost four months of a, of a sideways market here while the US, even though there has been volatility in the last few weeks, the US market at least has continue to to edge higher over the last quarter or so. So, um, yes, it's just interesting to see you have this situation where some sectors they might rally for a few days at the expense of others and then it switches around and and you tend to not make any real progress. But I think it's just a case of investors just need to need to be patient um, in this sort of market. And I know from, you know, when we come back to looking at charts and, and how things perform technically, when you see periods where the market or a stock does nothing for a while, um, what that usually leads to is when you do get a breakout, the longer the period of sideways movement. Ah. Let, me start, let me start oh, that again. Okay. So the, the longer a stock goes sideways or a market goes sideways, when it does eventually break out, you tend to get a more powerful move. So mm. it gives me a bit of, I guess, consolation that, yes, we've been sideways for four months. Yes, it's frustrating. Maybe it goes on for a few more weeks, maybe several weeks. Right. But when the market does eventually break, I think we'll get a decent move. And I know over the last few weeks, the market has looked, there's, there's been a few occasions where we've expected the market to come down and it's actually held up pretty well. So it gives me confidence that the next move probably is to the upside. It'd be nice yeah, to see that happen okay. sooner than later. But, you know, I think we'll get a decent move when that does happen. Yeah, okay. All right, there we go. Uh, Julia Lee, how are you finding the market at the moment? Once again, we are seeing COVID-19 being an issue in yep. parts of Europe where lockdown is being extended. So we are seeing a sell-off across the Yeah, they're like sort of going into a third wave, <laughs> yes. aren't they, some countries? And yeah. getting very narky. That's why they're putting a ban on the exports of vaccines because it's it. getting bad again. Yeah, it is um, the more, uh, the one that um, people catch more easily, which is being transmitted, which is a problem. And it's a bit of a tug of war at the moment between the vaccine rollout and COVID-19. I think come the second half of this year, it is all going to be about recovery and reopening. But in the short term, I think there's an opportunity for investors to once again get set in some of those travel stocks. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because uh, what we've got, we've got America vaccinating two and a half, three million people a a day. day. Sort of Biden's got 100 million vaccinations within 58 days, which is just extraordinary. The UK vaccinated the equivalent of Australia in 70 days. So even though we keep being told it's not a race and da da da, (laughs) if it was a race, we'd be last at the moment. So we've got to get a wriggle on. Um, But then overnight, the EU saying that they've got to confiscate vaccines basically yeah. not export them keep them for themselves well, because if you've of this third way got the vaccine we have seen that it is those economies that um, get through COVID-19 relatively unscathed that have been performing better yeah. Yeah. so um, I guess the travel stocks have been sold off on, on um, I guess 
the lack of a catalyst of this European summer because there had been some hopes that the European summer that they could all be travelling again, but now it looks like it's a next year summer holiday right. peak yeah. season. That's fascinating the way it's going. Uh, before we get into your 10 stocks, I always take a look at uh, stock of the day, something that's been uh, in the news. Macquarie downgrading Resolute Mining to underperform from outperform after the miner cop notice from Ghana's Minerals Commission that its lease on the Bibiani gold mine had been terminated, advised to cease all activities. Resolute saying the move was unexpected, currently seeking legal advice. The market not taking it well. The stock in, um, pretty well um, hit hard today on the news, putting into doubt any plans to offload the mine to a Chinese buyer. Uh, the brokers and Macquarie reckon it's unlikely the sale will go ahead, at least in its current form, removing it from the broker's estimates. and seeing the target price almost halved to 55 cents from a dollar. Uh, Julia, we talk about this a lot, don't we, with mm. listed companies, um, with interests overseas and the sovereign risk attached to those assets. This is a classic example. Absolutely. And look, the, the whole thing about the Bibiana sale was the $105 million sale, and that would have deleveraged the, the balance sheet. Um, the problem with this sale now is not only what's happening in terms of the government over there with this mine license, but also since that sale was announced, we've seen the gold price falling by about seven to 8%. So you'd think that you, if you were the Chinese buyer, you'd be doing anything to probably get out <laughs> of this sale yeah. or at least amend the terms of the sale to a, a better price. So that doesn't put Resolute Mining in a great spot. What it does mean is that it is much more dependent on uh, Sayama and that means that at Sayama if you do see an increase in terms of costs there's always that possibility of a capital raising that will be right. hanging over the stock. Okay so avoid Resolute at the mining too uncertain? Yeah binary yeah. outcome and at the yeah. moment uh, it looks like that sale's not going to go through. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, pretty much reflect all those comments. I mean, look, the you know they're they're fairly low cost producer in a way. I think it's about a thousand dollars US um, cost, where you know the gold price is closer to about eighteen hundred. But yeah, beyond that, they've you know it looks like they're going to miss out on this one hundred five mil that they were expecting. Um, yeah, you know the gold price isn't heading the right direction either. So yeah, um, I just think it's one of those situations where. You, yeah, you don't need to be there. We've seen Macquarie cut their target a dollar to fifty-five. I think City went from ninety cut. to seventy-five. Right, not as big, but it's it basically demonstrates um, that yeah, it was a big deal. Okay, um, that amount. So, all right, pretty clear adjudication there from uh, Michael and Julia. Let's get into your ten stocks that you've sent in. Want us to take a closer look at? And uh, Michael Diana wants a view on Medibank. Uh, mm. Diana says, I'm not sure what I should do. I purchase when it floated and I'm thinking whether to sell or take the profit, they do pay a decent dividend. So Diana, you've been a long time shareholder, haven't you, from uh, the float of Medibank? Yeah, look, it does pay a good dividend. I mean, we're looking at including franking about 6%, but I also like to see some sort of share price appreciation as well. Definitely no depreciation in a share price. Yeah. Um, Medibank hasn't really gone anywhere in the last few years. Um, but depending on where you bought it within that range, you could be up 20% or you could be down 20% <laughs> despite yep. the 6% dividend. Um, look, margins have improved slightly for the business. I think there's, you know, one of the key risks for a business like this is the politicians getting involved and, mm. and changing what, what they're able to do in terms of premium increases and so on. Um, some analysts out there think that with everything going on this year, they might be sort of off the hook for the moment. Um, attention is diverted elsewhere rather than the um, private healthcare industry. But I think the short answer for me is I'd prefer to find other opportunities. I, you know, I'm also of the view that, you know, we need to look for businesses that will benefit from this, you know, vaccination reopening theme yeah. um, and Medibank, uh, I think will just continue yeah. to do nothing. And isn't it funny, we talk about sovereign risk with a company like Reliance, uh, this sort of sovereign risk in a company like Medibank, as Michael was saying, with the government saying, well, we have to approve every price right, premium rise you want, how you run the business, you're in their hands, aren't you? Yeah, well, you know, some of the government moves 
have been positive where, um, you know, if you don't have private health insurance and you're a yep. higher income earner, then um, you do pay a penalty. Um, so that's helped some of the private health insurance. I think the big thing is I believe that most things move in cycles and the cycle for the private health insurance um, companies over the last few years has actually been negative because people have been moving away from private health insurance. It's becoming more and more expensive. But what we've seen here is that the last two quarters, we've actually seen growth in the private health insurance area that we have seen people taking up private health insurance. And Koshi, this hasn't happened for years. So this is quite exciting in terms of uh, the, the uh, private health insurance sector. Having a look at what it's meant for Medibank Private, it means that they're growing. The Medibank Private brand is growing, I think, for the first time um, since 2013. So you're looking at the first time mm. in eight years, the Medibank Private brand is growing. Most of the growth is though going to its lower cost insurance brand, which is AHM, which is uh, right. younger people. And mostly health insurance want to attract younger people because they don't claim as much, which means that they're a lot more cost effective. Um, and the problem with a lot of health insurance is that it is older people mm. usually that seek out health insurance and they tend to be more expensive to service. So looking at insurers, there's a number of moving parts. Number one is um, growth in terms of premiums and people taking up private insurance. So that's a tick. That's a yes. Secondly is claims, whether that's growing or falling. That's growing, but the good news for Medibank private is that it's not growing as fast as um, new clients and new customers are coming on board. So that's okay. And third is the investing environment where longer term yields are now rising. So that's a mildly positive. So look, at these type of prices, I'd probably be mildly positive to a neutral here. Great if you want to collect the yield, but you're not going to see a huge amount of growth coming right. through. Okay, so for Diana, you'd neutral. hold it? Just yeah, if you want it. the dividend and you don't mind that the share price doesn't really go right. anywhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Diane, if you like the dividend, you don't care about the share price, or well, you do care about the share price. Well, I don't think the share price is going to fall substantially, no. which is also a consideration <laughs> if you're an income investor. Okay. All right. Phil wants a view on uh, Reliance Worldwide. They're the, um, if you like, the big oh, flash plumbing, plumbing business, isn't it? <laughs> no, a really flash plumbing business, isn't it? Because they're in uh, water flow, controlled monitoring devices plumbing and the heating industry. So it's not just buying your pipes and thing and taps, is it? it's a lot more sophisticated than that. I can't even park on my street at the moment. It seems like everyone's <laughs> renovating, <Yeah. laughs> either renovating or getting their house ready to sell. Um, and I guess spending on housing has been extremely yep. strong, not only here in, the, in Australia, but importantly in terms of the US and the UK as well. So look, strong trading, rising margins at the moment. Um, it is plumbing products, so you'd expect that as housing activity and renovation activity um, increase that this company will do well. I think the biggest question for me is um, whether this strength is sustainable, whether it's just a 12-month thing or whether no. we are go this is the start of a multi-year cycle. Usually when house prices are rising, it's the start of a multi-year cycle, so positive on it at the moment, and especially positive going into the August results, the full-year results. Because trading has been so strong, I think shareholders can expect either a bump up in terms of the dividend mm. or capital management. So expecting that to come through in August, and this should be one of those ones that outperforms in this August reporting season. Okay, so you like it at this price? Yes, a buy? Yes. Okay. over the next 12 months. Michael? Um, yeah, look, they're, they're in the right sector for the moment. So obviously there's a lot of spending, um, renovations, new houses. Um, the other positive with the business is, you know, they've got quite good cash flow at the moment. There's some good cash in the bank. They can either yeah. make an acquisition or even mm. do a buyback, which will be beneficial to the share price. So a couple of positives there. Um, in terms of risks, as, as Julia said, we just don't know how long this, this cycle will last. And obviously the other I guess elephant in the room is, you know, interest rates. If something happens there quicker than expected, it might sort of kill off that whole, um, yeah. that whole um, sort of positivity for a while. But, you know, who knows? So I think at the moment, the momentum's there. The business is in good shape. Um, look, I'd be happy to hold in terms of trying to find yeah. an entry point here. It, the way it's trading on the chart, I'd rather finesse a better entry point. But I think for the sake of the show, if you're in it, I'd be happy to continue to holding hold it. it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, um, Michael, Tim wants a view on Virgin Money UK. Mm. Yes, it's a banking stock, basically, um, based in the UK, but 
listed here in Australia. It owns uh, Clydesdale Bank, Yorkshire Bank and B Brands. Yep. Um, it's big, isn't it? Sort of 3 million customers, 169 branches. Yeah, look, I think with this one, it is very much, you know, what we're seeing happen with the share price is very much sort of that that overall top-down sort of macro theme. It's not necessarily anything to do with, with Virgin. The, the bank seems to be run okay, but, you know, very much there's there's renewed interest in banking stocks worldwide yeah. because they've been trading at low multiples, so I guess a bit of a value a value proposition there. Plus you've got the tailwind of improving economies which benefit banks. Um, you know, even an increase in interest rates could benefit, um, benefit banks. banks as yeah, well. because they might be able to increase their margins. And, yeah. com- and coming back to your earlier comments about the vaccinations, we're seeing you know, vaccinations roll out very quickly in the UK as well. So. A lot of tailwinds there. I think this one can continue to to head high from now. I mean, whether you decide to have your money parked in VUK or choose an Aussie bank, I guess they're not necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily comparing apples apples for apples. But okay. um, but VUK's share price has done extremely well, and mm-hmm. I expect it to continue. So if I was in it, I'd be happy to hold it for now. Okay, Julian. Yes. <laughs> so if you think of Virgin Money, um, you know. Banks are a leverage play on the economy. And if you think of where the UK has been in the last 12 months, they've been in lockdown for most of the last 12 months. Things have been pretty dire. So now you're looking at them coming out of lockdown and the economy restarting again. Um, And that's a real positive for Virgin Money, not only in terms of loan growth, but winding back those loan provisions that they've made. And really what's going to help drive earnings over the next six to 12 months is that loan provisioning, which is going to pretty much disappear. And then that loan growth, the UK economy reopening up, that will be a positive for for Virgin Money. I guess on the negative side, like we see with um, Bank of Queensland and Bendigo and Adelaide, sometimes for the smaller players, and I think Virgin Money is number five or something uh, of the type over in the UK, uh, it can be harder to play against those bigger players that do have economies of scale. But I think Virgin Money, it is a well-known brand over in the UK, and I think that could uh, bode well, um, I guess, just in terms of consumers. So I like Virgin Money here. And yes, rising interest rates are positive for the banks because they can reprice their loan books upwards and get a better, fatter margin, whereas when interest rates are falling, their margins tend to be shrinking as well. So you'd be buying at these levels? Yes. So... Is it an alternative to the big four banks? Is, is there a stage where you go, gee, our banks have had a good run and you're looking at other sort of financial institutions that may have been left behind? Has yeah. this been left behind at all? Is it ever an alternative? I think it is because different economies move at different paces and cycles. Um, I think like we found with China having combated COVID-19 first and reopened first, that its economy has been doing very well. I think the UK is behind Australia. Australia's come through Mm. very well. Um, Its economy already reflects that, whereas the UK, the growth is still ahead of it and the recovery, Mm. most of the recovery is still ahead of it. That's horrible. I've got a daughter living in in London. My sister's pregnant in London, about to have a baby. Isn't it? They still, I think this weekend they can meet, for the first time, can meet one One person person. in a park. (laughs) And that's it. It's extraordinary. Whereas here in Australia, we can have 200 people at home now. And we can dance. (laughs) (laughs) Julia, settle down. Settle down and stand up at the pub. Karaoke. Yeah, yeah. Loving it. All right. But, but that is the difference. Julia makes a really good point. It's sort of um, how each of the economies are coming out. And you've, you've got to look at that play when you're investing as well. Um, Julia Gavin wants a view on Australis Oil and Gas, um, an upstream oil and gas company um, with um, interests um, in the United States uh, as well. They've just done a raise of around $8 million dollars. Sure. Um, I guess this is more of a speculative one. I am Mm. positive on oil and gas stocks, even though they have been volatile lately. We've seen uh, the lockdowns once again in Europe um, being extended and that's impacted on the oil price. Um, And then we've seen that big ship being uh, stuck in the Suez Canal, which has seen the oil price once again rising. So it has been quite volatile, but the oil sector should do well over the next two years. It's all about that reopening trade. So positive on oil and gas. I just think this one is more on the speculative end of the spectrum. So probably class it more around the exploration and um, and their t- 
Tuscaloosa um, Marine Shale, TMS, is in the US. I think it's near Eagle Ford, so shale gas around that Eagle Ford region. Right. They have a large amount of property, um, I think from memory, more than 100,000 hectares. Um, so a large amount of property, but still yet to be yeah. developed. So I would prefer a producer, given right. the recovery. Um, so whether it's Beach Petroleum or on the small cap side, more around Karoon Gas. Right. Um, so a no for me from this one. I think there's a lot better alternatives given that. And by the, the look price. of it, it's not very um, liquid either. No, it is on the smaller side um, and it is about developing those assets or finding someone to buy those assets, which I think is a hard proposition yeah. given that the world is moving towards yeah. decarbonisation. So what was the small one? Karoon? Karoon, K-A-R is the stock oh, right. Okay. Where's it? Where does that explore? So the reason I like Karoon Gas, it's already producing, is right. because of the large amount of cash on its books for uh, an energy okay. uh, small cap stock. Um, yeah. It has moved quite substantially, so it is trading above $1 now, but right. as long as the oil price keeps on rising. And I mm. guess when you do see commodity prices rising, it is those smaller players where the marginal cost of production is much higher that tend to benefit and see the share price move um, yeah. a lot more. Okay. And Julia was mentioning the share price overnight because um, a um, container ship, um, I think, it, what was it? Korean 400 metres. Yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely oh. blocked the Suez Canal. So it's just like, you know, the Westgate Bridge at peak hour and stuff like that. You've got this great big container ship that's sideways in the Suez Canal and you've got a bank up. It. So I had no idea how many... I knew a lot of ships went through the Suez Canal every day. It's a huge shipping route. Oh, it's sort of every 200 metres there's a ship going through. It's mm. amazing. It was great pictures. Uh, go online and see them. We had some on Sunrise today. It was just mind-boggling. Yeah, and it's, it's, in some ways it's, you don't realise how narrow it is until you yes. turn a ship around and <laughs> oh, no. it covers the whole it's thing. It's the length of a ship. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, Michael, so, anyhow, we got off topic a bit there. What do you think of Australis? Oh, look, I mean... I don't want to repeat everything Julia said. I mean, positive on oil, um, the reopened trade. Um, this one's at the smaller end. You know, probably the other risk in, you know, not being a producer in the US is maybe the political situation over there is not very kind to, to this industry either. So, look, it's not one for me either, I guess, for the sake of anyone who does like the company. The, you know, what I can add, looking at the chart, is that... Um, you know, if you have a look at a one-year chart, it, it rallied very strongly in November, um, and then it's eased back on lower volume in a fairly clear channel. So for anyone that's right. looking, yeah, if you like this stock, and um, you know, if you're looking for an entry point, you can pretty much draw a couple of channel lines and wait for a breakout on, on the buy side. So you know, potentially there's a bit more upside in the share price, but um, I'd feel safer in some of those are you, other are you, as well. Are you positive on oil and gas overall yep. as a yep. sector? Yep. Oh, you are as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. So we've been, I guess, you know, positive for almost a, a year now, of course, as soon as, you know, it we start negative. moving out of yeah. COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After I was negative, I was positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, obviously, that's just one of those 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 inputs that will right. will benefit from the reopening of, of, right. of economies. What, so, what are your preferreds? Oh, look, most of our clients are holding Woodside and, and Santos just right. because that's the nature of, of the clients that we have. But, but Julie is, um, again, ag agree with her that if you're looking more bang for your buck, if you get the smaller guys because their margins are lower, as soon as the, the oil price moves, you know, they start to quickly make a, a lot more money. So, yeah, you can, so you can make leverage. a lot more money that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. Thank you for that suggestion, Gavin and uh, Jill. And Michael wants to be on the beta shares NASDAQ 100 ETF. Yep. So ETF on the NASDAQ. So we're making a call on what the NASDAQ's going to do now. Yeah. Um, um, first of all, before we get into that, is this a true reflection, this beta shares ETF? Uh, it's close enough. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's not an active manager on the mm. NASDAQ 100 or any, it just mirrors the NASDAQ yep. 100. Mas yep. Yep. Great. Ma matches the index. So. What's the NASDAQ going to do from here? Um, <laughs> look, I think looking at the way the NASDAQ has traded over the last several weeks, obviously it's been quite volatile and it's, it's underperformed the Dow um, and the S&P 500. Um, I think for the moment there's not going to be a lot of upside in the NASDAQ. Um, just the way it's traded to me looks like it'll either go sideways or down 
before it would head higher. So I wouldn't be buying this um, this ETF now. Yeah, is the Nasdaq has it already peaked? Is it a big bubble? Are we going to see a huge crash because yields going to go up? I don't know. I don't think anyone anyone knows what interest rates really will do. Um, bond yields yeah. will do over the next several months. I mean, there's very smart people making the case on both both sides of, yeah. of the argument. Um, so I'll just go off price action for now, which is it's struggling. I mean, every time it tries to rally, it gets sold off. We, you know, I watch the intraday price action on the NASDAQ, to me it just looks weak and I just stay clear of it and wait for a later date to come back in. Okay. Julian? I have to agree. I guess if you have a look at what makes up the NASDAQ, the, the five biggest stocks you've got, uh, Microsoft, Apple 11%, Microsoft 10%, Amazon 8% and Tesla 4%. And look, four of those five have really benefited from that lockdown COVID-19 environment. So as we come out of lockdown, it's not that these stocks aren't going to grow. They're just probably not going to grow as much as we've seen it over the right. last year. So what you're saying is COVID lockdown really supercharged them. A a Microsoft keyboard, (laughs) mouse, um, hardware, software, people moving to home and needing to buy things as well, um, which has been a huge positive for these companies. Now, it doesn't mean these companies aren't going to grow. I still think that these companies are going to grow, just not at the pace that we've seen through the last 52 weeks. So the market's just readjusting to that slower pace of growth. And then add into the picture that in many ways, the market's a competition. So is something else going to grow faster than these technology companies. And the market at the moment is banking that those reopening stocks, the airlines, the travel stocks are going to grow faster over the next 12 months than these technology stocks are. So you're going to see better news flow coming through. So look, in terms of the NASDAQ, I think you will once again see growth. So it depends on whether you're looking at a short term time frame or a longer term time frame. I think if you're looking at a longer term time frame, just um, put some money in every month and just um, try and get in that way. Yeah. But if you are looking at a shorter time frame, we are in, in the midst of a correction at the moment. Yeah. And I think what you're hoping for is a, a continued fall in terms of bond yields. And bond yields have been a bit too fast and furious, so you'd expect a little bit of a correction there, which we're starting to see. Um, but once again, um, yeah. you know, it's pretty difficult to read at the moment and it's struggling yeah. to get up to okay. it. Anyway. So, uh, when you have have a lot of private investors say, okay, I've got to have a little bit in this sector, a little bit in that one, have a balanced portfolio. And um, is this ETF a good representation of, say, um, US tech stocks? If you're going, okay, for my portfolio, I want to have 5% in US tech stocks. Is, is this a good way of doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the problem with Australian investors trying to trade US stocks is that usually we're sleeping um, yeah. during the time the US market is open. So if there is a big um, piece of news or it's earnings season and earning, earnings reports are coming out, then it can be harder for us to track. So an ETF is an easy way for us to access right. that at lower fees because often it can be more expensive um, to trade the US. Although these days, you know, you have a lot of apps now. Um, But if you don't want to do the research yourself, I guess there's a whole lot of exchange-traded funds that run on different Mm. themes. And this one's uh, the US tech sector. All right. Okay, Jill, thank you for that suggestion. Uh, Just to recap, the first five stocks and stock of the day, Resolute Mining, a no from from both Michael and Julia. Medibank Private, a no from Michael, a hold from Julia. Uh, Julia likes Reliance. Michael's got it as a hold. Virgin Money is a yes from Julia, a hold from Michael. Uh, Australis, a no from both. Um, both are positive, though, on the oil and gas sector. Um, at the, the larger end of the oil and gas um, sector, Beach would probably be Julia's uh, preferred stock there, or Caroon, if you're at the, uh, the smaller end of the market. Uh, and the beta shares NASDAQ 100, a no from both as well. Um, here at the call, we have our own fantasy portfolio that uh, we've been tracking since the 1st of July, Since uh, uh, thanks to our partner NAB Trade. Any stocks that get two thumbs up, two yeses from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. If that stock comes up again in the future, even if it's with a di- different panel and doesn't get that unanimous approval, it then goes out. Let's take a look at uh, how the portfolio's been doing. It's up uh, about half a percent for the week, half a percent for the month, 
and 25% since the 1st of July. Some of the stocks recently added. Uh, Western Areas um, was added yesterday. Super Retail, uh, Brain Chip, Evolution Mining Event, Hospitality and Entertainment. And on the Bridgeway, some of the stocks removed. Premier Investments, Handsome Technologies and Calyx to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, coming up a bit uh, later uh, in uh, Ausbiz, um, Chief Executive of uh, Chiax, Vic Djokovic, uh, joins us at 1.30 uh, about the acquisition that they've recently made. So uh, Vic, who's a good friend of Ausbiz, uh, will be coming in. And then uh, tomorrow, um, David Howson. Uh, joins us at nine o'clock when the new head of SIBO Asia um, joins us live from the UK. So uh, a bit happening there and we'll get both sides of the story. All right, let's get into the uh, second five stocks and uh, Michael Cathra wants a view on Telex Pharmaceuticals, um, a medtech business uh, in the um, centre around, uh, basically it's an oncology company developing a pipeline of, um, of treatments. Uh, they have a prostate cancer imaging um, uh, product that they've got. Uh, also been pretty active in the last six months in signing up acquisitions. Yeah, they've got, a, they've got several different products um, at the trial stage. Uh, they have a product that, um, the, the, where it's radiation product targets um, tumours, so it latches onto to a tumour and can target um, the, the tumours with, with radiation um, instead of infecting everything else. So quite an interesting company. Yeah. One of um, those companies that you think, God, I hope they succeed. Yeah, uh, you hope all of them succeed, you know, don't you? Yeah. yeah, it's mm. prostate, it's renal, brain cancer they're, mm. they're looking into as well. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, look, I think... Um, Obviously, being one of these companies with products at the trial stage it just comes yep. down to the whole, um, you know, investor and how much do they want to, to risk on something that, that just might not come through. At least these guys have a few sort of irons in the fire there. It's not, they're not just banking everything on one, um, one product. Look, it's the way I'd do this is I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to hold as long as the, the share price is heading the right way. It is heading the right way. It's had a a nice run recently. I'd be happy to hold it here with a stop at um, sort of around 4.20 and trail that. So yeah, yeah as, look, as long as it's heading the right way, I'd treat this as a, um, as a, speculative, as a speculative trade, but I can appreciate that for, for a lot of people that's, um, there's probably a bit too much risk there in case some of these products don't come off. Right, okay. Uh, and Julia, it's, um, it is doing lots of deals too, isn't it? And acquisitions as well as being quite a quite aggressive in that area. Yeah, when you have a, a product and you're basically at phase three, what you are looking is, is to move into major markets and that's where um, you start to get revenue increasing quite substantially as well as the share price rising quite substantially. And that's really what where this company is at. So looking at radio pharmaceuticals, and I guess investors that are familiar with Surtex, um, which was right. another company that yep. targeted tumours in uh, the liver, in liver cancer, and it did extremely well with a takeover, would, might have a look at some something like this. Um, basically, it's radio pharmaceuticals, and at the moment they are targeting things like prostate cancer, brain cancer, um, but I guess there's a few others that they can target down the track as well. So they are in a phase three with a specific type of prostate cancer which hasn't um, responded to things like androgens. Um, and the good news is that there are other pharmaceuticals in similar type of trials. Mm. And we've recently seen um, Novartis over in the US with uh, a phase three vision trial. And that showed that using radio pharmaceuticals in this type of prostate cancer um, can actually improve survival. So that's that somewhat de-risks what Teliex is mm. trying to do in terms of this area. So. Very speculative, given they are still going through phase three. And as they sign up more countries to distribute their product, you'll see some more revenue coming through. But uh, a yes from me, speculative okay. buy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? And the fact that, is it useful that they've got a few different products rather than there's a binary, binary outcome on one? Yes, I think what I like about this company is that it's um, about 
locating the tumor and then treating it at the same time. Right. So you've got something that's almost a scanner which looks at finding these tumors and then the treatment of it as well. So in terms of, of the product, it is a lot easier if you're not um, classified as a pharmaceutical and more as a device, which right. um, these radio pharmaceuticals I think are. So it, it means that it's a much easier yeah. process in terms of um, FDA I'm getting approval. approvals and things like that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, all right, Sam now wants a view on Bill Identity. It's a, a technology business basically in uh, bill and expense management for, for corporates, operates Australia, New Zealand, the US, UK and, uh, and Europe. Yeah, I mean, I have liked this one in the past, but I guess if you have a look at what's happening in utilities at the moment, electricity prices have been falling substantially. And in fact, the worst performing sector over the last 52 weeks has been the utility sector. Um, the reason behind that is that you are seeing renewables, which is making electricity a lot cheaper to access. Um, now, this particular company is about um, utility bill management. So when you're a large corporation spending a certain amount of your cash flow on bills, it's about having control control over that utility spend and then also trying to just control that okay. spend as well. So, um, so basically how to get the best deals on your power, how to manage it properly, that sort of thing. Off peak and, versus on right. peak, where yep. the best deals are. Um, and look, they have seen substantial growth. I think um, year on year, their platform revenue growth was 84%. Um, I just think that they're in the midst of this pullback that we're seeing at the moment. So the stock price is up quite substantially um, over the last year, but um, over the last few months, we've seen a pullback here. So I probably wouldn't be jumping into the stock at these prices. Okay, Michael? Um, I hadn't heard of this before, to be honest, but yeah. It, yeah, it looks like an interesting interesting business. I mean, it seems quite scalable. Um, and yeah, look, I, I just didn't realise a, a business like this existed. So they've, you know, it looks like, they, as Geordie said, they have been growing quite well over the last um, few years. I mean, it doesn't look like they're profitable yet. But um, look, I, I quite like the look of the business. I'm just concerned about the direction of, of the share price. So why is there a lot of selling and it's been consistent selling of the shares since October. I mean, from about $1.30 to $0.90. Cents. So right. it's one of those I'd, I'd be happy to keep an eye on um, and try to get it at the right price. And um, yeah, I quite like, as I said, these sorts of businesses which can be quite scalable um, where you can increase your revenues without uh, much of an increase in, in costs. And, yeah. and that's where you can get quite a big uplift in share price if you can you know, get in at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, let's stick with the, the, um, the platforms and uh, administration platforms. Uh, Craig wants a view on Alcidian Group. Um, um, they have software products aimed in the healthcare industry. Recently has signed up a, a decent deal with um, a hospital in the United Kingdom uh, for their patient track and smart page um, platforms. Yeah. yeah, just a, a similar sort of business where very, it's very scalable. It looks like they have deals with over 300 hospitals now um, for their software. Um, they've just started to, I mean, recently they're starting to turn a profit now. So you, you've got that phase where, you know, they're starting to make money and the share price um, has, has therefore reacted. It's doubled over the last um, six months, but it's trading really well and it looks like it should continue to kick on. I guess the one thing that... I need to still do my homework on is obviously the big risk for these um, for this company is is hospitals pulling out um, hopefully it's a sticky product and they don't want to pull out but yeah. you know if you've done deals with a number of New South Wales health hospitals you know at what level can New South Wales health maybe get rid of the contract is it at the hospital level I don't know the answer to that mm. um, maybe maybe Julia does but yeah. um, but look beyond that um, beyond that risk I, I think that yeah, it looks like they're in a good spot trading well. I'd be happy to hold it. Yeah, okay. Um, and this, I didn't realise, I was reading about this East Lancashire Hospitals that they've done the, uh, the deal with, the first one in the US, has 8,000 staff and 530,000 <laughs> residents in their community healthcare program. And I'm thinking, geez, if you can start getting a beachhead oh, in yeah. the UK with some of the, and Europe with, with some of those hospitals, because as I think, Julie, you've mentioned a lot of time with these healthcare companies in the past, 
Um, it's hard to get into hospitals and your product into hospitals. Once you're there, you're in. You're in <laughs> for a long time. It's actually harder to be turfed out again. So the fact they've got a beachhead in in the in the UK seems pretty promising. Yeah, this is all about execution and growth. Now they have their products. It's about getting into markets and getting that growth um, going. They, they are um, quite dominant over in the New Zealand, so they have a lot of the New Zealand market. And this is digital health in hospitals. Um, yep. So trying to get a better outcome for patients. I'm not sure, um, but I think most people would know people who've had a bad experience in hospitals, especially if you're there for a longer period of time, different staff are looking after you and yep. there, there can potentially be mistakes. I think um, four to 18% of people in hospital or hospital admissions uh, four to eighteen percent are associated with an adverse event, which is caused by inadequate um, yeah. medical management. So that's a, their patient track platform, isn't it? Is a way yeah. of monitoring a patient so the next shift can be fully brief when Absolutely. they come. Absolutely, it's right. just about getting data and information and making yeah. it relevant. So just finding out what medications that. Uh, that patient is yeah. on and that new medications don't react adversely and also in terms of tracking like just pinpointing where danger points are so that they're checked up at those points and right. don't slip through the system um, so look it's definitely a growing market the only negative I would have to say is that this is a highly competitive area with a lot ah. deeper pockets you can imagine that you know hospitals are, uh, are you know, they're ripe for digitalization in yeah. terms of records. We've seen that, you know, not only inside hospitals, but with our health records as well. So look, I think it's a growing area. I like this company, they've got the platform. It's now about execution and growth. So yeah, speculative. Um, I'd probably wait for a pullback here. The share price has risen quite substantially. I think it's up 28% in the last month and up 80% over the last three months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was reading about this, because I was involved in sort of reforming the organ transplant and donation system here in Australia, um, establishing the Organ and Tissue Authority, and um, uh, which has made incredible progress, basically because we improved the way hospitals talk to each other um, mm -hmm. and the way transplant surgeons could identify um, um, potential patients uh, right. coming up because they used to fax everything to everybody at the time and now they get alerts on smartphones and every, everything's online and just that alone increased transplants uh, here in Australia by something like 20 percent. Wow just, just data better, and data and I that's why I, when um, who suggested it? Uh, Craig suggested it. I went into it. I thought this is the way hospitals have to go. Yeah, the they future. should be yeah, going that massive. way. I think because mm. uh, it, it's really amazing how archaic some of the administration systems are in our, in our health centres, not only here but around the world. All right, uh, Will um, wants to view Julia on Tesserent. Uh, mm -hmm. They're in the cyber security business. Um, uh, of course, that's been a hot topic with the uh, with the Australian government saying we're going to invest, you know, one and a half billion dollars over over the next ten years. Uh, what do you think of Tesla? I think this is a massive growth area. Um, yeah. My next door neighbour's in cyber security, and he just bought a new Porsche, so <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all going well. The old, old neighbour indicator. How, how well the sector is doing. And he's always busy. I always ask him about work. He says he's constantly flat yeah. out. Look, these shares are up 650% in the past year, but um, down 27% in the last three months. So probably um, that, that tech sell-off that we've been seeing yeah. has been impacting. So I'd just be waiting for that tech sell-off to um, subside and for the share price to be moving back up again. But look, in the right industry, seeing a lot of growth and probably will continue to see quite a bit of growth, just being impacted what's happening in the technology space. So waiting for that to wash out before getting in. Right, and they've done a new acquisition in New Zealand too, haven't they, which they said should start to wash through in the second half of the year. It really is a global industry. So yeah. I mean, cyber tech security, yeah. I think, you know, not only organisations, but individuals, governments, defence, it's a massive area. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, what do you reckon, Tessa? Yeah, I'd, I'd be waiting um, for a cheap, cheaper entry price as well. I mean, I, I think we looked at it on the show a couple of months ago and I was, I was just concerned that 
you know, it shot up. Obviously, there's been a lot of interest in, in the sector and they've made a lot of acquisitions. I think there's been about five or six just this financial year. And, you know, that can lead to a bit of indigestion with the share price. Um, you know, can they integrate these businesses well enough? So, um, yeah, and we are seeing that the share price pull back. So the way I look at a trading here, I think it will come back further and I think that will provide an opportunity. Um, so when you look at these charts, Mm. that it's 24 cents and it looks as though the previous bottom was around 22 cents. Is that significant when you look at a chart like that? You know how it's just gone yep. a big peak up, heading back down under that sort of dotted line there. Is that is that significant from a chart point of view? If you see it reverse there, then that gives you a bit of confidence. If it bounces off. Yes, that, but, okay. but, but, but there's a, yeah, a bit more to it than that. So what... What I'm also looking at, at a, so when I look at a chart, I look at a candlestick chart or a, um, a bar chart, and what they're doing is they're showing you the daily ranges as well. And right. when a stock's very volatile, it can be quite dangerous. It can move in either direction um, and whip you around. So what I'd like to see is the daily ranges compress, get smaller, volume come out, um, and that gives me a clue that um, that the selling's starting to subside, right. and uh, it's just okay. a, it's it's just a go-to for me. It's just a go-to pattern when you see volatility decrease, daily ranges compress to almost where there's nothing happening, and then suddenly you see a big move up. It closes on the high of the day. You see volume. That to me is a turning signal. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about all your fancy moving averages if you just want to keep it simple. Look yep. for that. Look for that mm, sort of okay. play, um, and then you know well, this thing's probably bottomed. Now I can safely enter without buying it today and maybe being down another 20% next week. Right, okay. So a no, but you'd be interested eventually, on a bit, yeah, eventually. bit of a pullback. Yeah. All right, uh, Nate wants a, uh, a view on Finbar Group. This is a West Australian, basically property developer, um, mm. medium to high density residential building, bit of commercial as well, um, and um, in that, that office retail. Yep. Yeah, so look on, on the positive note, the WA economy is obviously doing pretty well. Um, and their property and market, which has been horrible yeah. for about 10 years, is actually showing a bit of sign of life at the moment, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So the economy is doing well. The property market over in WA is doing well. Um, at the moment, the share price is doing well. So, you know, we could tick a few boxes there. The risks, obviously, the WA property market can run quite hot and cold. Um, obviously, interest rate rises might affect it more than it than they might affect um, the East Coast property market. So, yeah, look, one of those one of those companies that you know on both sides of the ledger, I can you know see see cases for being positive and negative. I'd err on the side of caution and um, not invest in this. Um, that's not to say it can't continue to edge higher, um, but I'd just be concerned that it's sort of run pretty hard. Mm. Um, and it's very leveraged to, to some, you know, fickle um, yeah. sort of catalysts, yeah. Okay. Julian? Um, yes, from me. Um, so this is WA Property, um, and look, WA Property is doing really well because we know commodity prices are doing well, so yep. the state's finances and the economy over there is doing well. But not only that, people are returning home. Um, we've seen net migration coming out of Victoria and New South Wales, and we've seen net migration into WA. And this is at a time when we aren't seeing international people coming back. Mm. We're seeing domestic movements. So, you know, you, you return home to your, back to your home state, you can't really move back in with mum and dad anymore because <laughs> you're growing up. So what do you do? You need a place to live. So I think off the plan will do very well as well, which is right. important. Um, and not only that, there's no debt on residual stock, which means that the money that they have can go into work in progress and new projects. And they have a couple of significant projects over in Perth. So, um, And yes. the property market there is coming off a low base, isn't it? But it's still extraordinary value when you consider the rest of the country. I, I have another daughter who just moved to Perth a year ago and um, they had a little two bedroom townhouse in the lower North Shore of Sydney, um, which they're renting out for the same amount that they're renting a five bedroom <laughs> place with swimming pool in Dalkeith <laughs> in Perth, which is like, which makes is me want to move. And you go, you're kidding me. And she goes, no, we're shocked as much as anybody. Um, 
So it is, you know, when you, you talk about low interest rates and people getting into the property market, if you've got low interest rates and a subdued property price, uh, Perth looks pretty attractive, doesn't it? It does, especially when you don't have to go into the office. Yeah. Um, so I think that's uh, resulted in migration to cheaper states yeah. um, and better lifestyle states like yeah. Queensland as well as WA. And, so and Adelaide's finding that as well. And Adelaide as well. And movement out of New South Wales and Victoria, which used to be the, the key corporate areas and yep. still are the key corporate areas. It's just that, that mix of being able to do your job from home, I think, yep. is also seeing people moving away from mm. these states. Yeah, 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 and everyone's getting on Zoom and Slack video, and that's how you communicate these days. Um, let's just recap of our final five stocks. Uh, Telex, a yes from Julia. Uh, it's a hold from Michael, put a, a stop on it at 420. Uh, Bill Identity, a no from Julia, um, a no from Michael, but he's putting it on his watch list. Um, Alcidian, um, yes from Julia on a pullback um, in the share price because it, it's run pretty hard and a hold from Michael. Uh, Tesserent, a no from both of them, it's had a really good run. And Finbar, a no from Michael and a yes from Julia. So thank you for sending in all of your suggestions. Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Julia Ber Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Funds going well? Uh, yes, uh, it's been a bit up and down, but um, we've had a really good uh, financial year today. Excellent. Up and down like everyone's share portfolio at the moment. <laughs> it's hard to find the direction, isn't it? Michael and I were talking about earlier. Um, if you'd like any stocks for us to cover here on the call, Click us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Reminder, all the stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, don't forget, if you want a full wrap up of the day in business, investments, finance, startups, subscribe to the Osbiz newsletter that you get Scuddy's View, the COB podcast, popular videos as well. Uh, subscribe uh, to um, at osbiz.co forward slash the COB. And uh, coming up at 2 p.m. on the Eastern on the Startup Daily Show, this is where we take a look at all of the startups, scale ups, wanting to raise money, venture capital. Today, Alan Jones from M8 Ventures um, is joining the team as he runs them through the problems all startup founders need to solve. Um, when they are growing their business. That's on the Startup Daily Show, plus a whole bunch of other special guests. So a lot happening on Ausbiz for the rest of the day. We'll be back after this.